Welcome to The Accuracy. This is your boy Larry Harris Jr., a.k.a. Black Bobby. I'm bringing you The Accuracy as a podcast and vlog to bring you facts and fact-based opinions that keep you in the know. Very simply. Uh, you can check me out all over social media at Larry Harris Jr. or I Am Black Bobby, Bobby's Rebellion. You can also check me out on Patreon, where I have subscribers getting exclusive content. And if you want to check out music, videos, etc., I'm at solo.to slash Larry Harris Jr. Enjoy, and here's the podcast. What up? It's your boy Larry Harris Jr., a.k.a. Black Bobby, and welcome to another episode of The Accuracy. Now, today is Richard Brooks' funeral here in Atlanta. Very sad day indeed. And I wanted to talk about reimagining policing, given the recent tragedies and interactions that Black people have been having with the police across the country. Now, here's some stats for you, just in case you were curious about why people are so up in arms, so fired up this time, and you know, really every time, but this time especially, about the status and state of policing in this country. So first of all, what you should know is that nine out of 10 calls for service are for nine nonviolent offenses. That's nine out of 10 calls to the police are for nonviolent offenses. Um, According to Brookings, approximately 38% of murders 66% of rapes, 70% of robberies, and 47% of aggravated aggravated assaults go uncleared every year or unsolved every year. So police are really not as efficient with solving major violent crimes as people would think. Um, One thing that I've known for a very long time is that 90% of cannabis arrests are for possession and overwhelmingly they arrest people of color for these crimes. I think you're four times more likely to be arrested for cannabis possession if you are a person of color than if you are a white person, for example. Um, this study I found fascinating. University of Michigan, Rutgers, and University of Washington did a study where they found that police use of force is the sixth leading cause of death for black men in the United States. Think about that. The sixth leading cause of death for black men in the United States is police use of force. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, police use of force, which includes, I'm reading from the, an article about the uh, U- University of Michigan study on their webpage. Police use of force, which includes asphyxiation, beating, a chemical agent, a medical emergency, a taser or a gunshot, trails, accidental death, suicide, other homicides, heart disease, and cancer as a leading cause of death for young black men um, who have the highest risk of being killed by police. Um, About 100 in 100,000 black men and boys will be killed by police during their lives, while 39 white men and boys per 100,000 are killed by police. This means black men are about 2.5 times more likely to be killed by the police than white men, uh, which should disturb you. Um, You know, one thing I found out is that they send police to deal with mental health cases 
instead of mental health professionals. Like if you had a friend in distress and called to have someone go check on them, maybe escort them to a hospital, whatever, they would send police and not a mental health professional, which I think is extremely problematic, not only given my own experience, but other people's experience with having police show up their door at their door when they're in a state of distress. Um, so speaking on that last point specifically, uh, I wanted to segue into the calls for uh, cities across the United States to defund the police um, and talk about what that exactly means, which is actually going to be a very short conversation because it means a very specific and very non-controversial thing in my opinion. But defunding the police in most people's mouths, what it means is simply reallocating funds to the right government service for the specific case that we're dealing with in a specific city. So like I was saying about mental health, we would send mental health professionals to deal with the mental health emergency rather than the police. Like we send the fire department to deal with fires rather than the police, right? That makes a lot of sense. So don't shut off when you hear people say defund the police. You know, in some cases, it actually does mean replacing the police with a safety force. Now, I'm gonna talk about that a little bit um, because I believe that where possible, the police should not carry guns in the, in the United States, just like they do in London. Now, you may not know this, but in London, police don't carry guns. Guns are pretty much banned in London almost all around, but the police, about 98% of them, do not carry guns. Um, if there is a shooting in London by the police, it is so rare, and police are, you know, they're very reticent to do so. Um, police in London are, they believe that it is a, a calling, um, a blessing from the people to have the job that they have. They're serving the public in a very unique way. They are guardians of the public even, that they believe. And it's against their credo to go out and carry guns and shoot people, um, very simply. Um, now, I don't believe that we are in a place in the United States currently where we can just massively get rid of the police guns, um, you know, it's station to station. But it does, that idea of disarming the police does go along with a broader plan that I've always believed in um, to modernize the U.S. on guns and bring us in line with the rest of the industrialized world. Um, you know, I think it's a travesty that we have so many guns in this country, so many people feel like they have a right to take a life in this country. That's ridiculous. Um, you know, so back to policing. I think it's time we reimagine re policing. Um, one of the things I know, for example, and we're not talking about in these times, is that Boston had a whole experience with this. If you don't know about the Boston Miracle, you should look it up. There's a book by David Kennedy, I believe, called Don't Shoot. I have the book, but the point is that Mr. Kennedy worked with um, the police departments in Boston and the street-affiliated folks in Boston to reduce gun violence in that city dramatically. Like, you don't hear about much gun violence in Boston. When I was there, there was so little, I could barely tell you any stories about it, even though that's not the case in my short experience in Atlanta or my long experience in D.C., um, neither one of those cities had the same kind of progressive attitude that Boston had. And it's because Boston embraced community policing and had a real commitment to not just the label of community policing, but actually building a rapport between the police 
and the people on the street, the people in the neighborhoods, the people in general in Boston, so that they had a very good uh, reputation amongst people in Boston, reduced crime amongst citizens, but also reduced police shootings. Um, there was a ma there was a problem with police shootings in Boston before the Boston Miracle, um, you know, and and it erupted one time in in, in protests and violence because of uh, a police shooting of an unarmed civilian, I believe. So after that moment, um, basically a task force came together all across the city to build what they call now the Boston Miracle. And couldn't we use a miracle in the United States? You know, all these people protesting of different ilks, you know, different colors, different religions, etc., all over the country are looking for a miracle. And Boston provided one. So let's not ignore history and try to weave some of that into the tactics that we take into the future to reimagine policing. Again, this is your boy, Larry Harris Jr., a.k.a. Black Bobby. Thank you for tuning into The Accuracy today on Reimagining Policing. And I'll get back at you with another segment soon. Peace.